We're glad that you're here with us. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. But I want to talk to you about something that I think that a lot of us deal with, whether we realize it or not. And I want to talk to you today about shame. Because a lot of us throughout life have heard things like, shame on you. Anybody ever had that said to them, shame on you? I know for me, I've had that said to me a lot in life, especially I grew up around church stuff. Every time I would go to church, I would hear, shame on you, shame on you. It really started to bug me because I realized as I started reading scripture that Jesus wasn't really about putting shame on people. He's about getting shame off of people. But yet for so many of us, we live with shame and we see people using shame to get us to do things all the time. Has, has anybody ever been shamed into something like they just shame you into doing something. I know people shame me into doing things all the time. It's like they're using a guilt trip on me to get me to do something I don't want to do, but they want me to do. And what I've come to realize over time is that shame is not a great motivator. In fact, it doesn't ever motivate people. It kind of demotivates people. And shame actually comes from the accused. The enemy is called the accuser. And what he does is he accuses you over and over again of things that have already happened. And so what his main operandi is, he loves to shame us into things. And he loves to remind us of our past. He loves to remind us of our mistakes in life. And he loves to accuse us of those things, of the things that we did that we shouldn't have done, the things that we should have said, but we didn't say, the things that we shouldn't have said, but we did say in life. Over and over again, the enemy tries to remind us of those things. And what Jesus wants to do in our lives is he wants to cover our shame. In fact, in Romans 10, verse 11, it says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And I think that's a great verse for us to all read together. On the count of three, why don't you read this with me? One, two, three. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Then why are so many of us put to shame? If everyone who believes in him shall not be put to shame, then why are so many of us living with that? And I think a lot of us, the reason we live with that is because the enemy comes and goes, shame on you, and we forget that Jesus comes and goes, no, 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 shame off of you. We forget that he wants to take the shame off of us. And I thought we'd, we'd just kind of make this a little real today because uh, social media plays such a huge role in our lives. I mean, there's more social media mediums than ever before. We got Facebook, we got Instagram, we got Instastory, we got Periscope, Twitter. Heck, we still have MySpace out there somewhere for you old school people. Snapchat for the young folks. One problem with social media for most of those things is for the longest time, if you posted something and you didn't mean to post exactly what you posted out there, it was out there for the world to see. And there was no getting around it. And all of a sudden, when it went out there, everybody could see you couldn't take it back. And all of a sudden, there was this shame that would come on you, kind of like what happens in life. You say something, you do something, you, you make a decision. And all of a sudden, you can't take that decision back. There's a shame that comes into your life because of the actions that you've taken. One of the things that I love is I love to use Siri. Anybody else out there use Siri in the world? Uh, uh, has anybody noticed that, that Siri isn't really great at understanding your language? Like Siri never understands any word that I use. I'll be like, text Shayla, and it'll be like texting Sean. I'll be like, no, no, I said Shayla, my wife. Oh, texting Whitney. I'm like, who is Whitney? I don't know who that is. 
But it's like autocorrect has become auto-incorrect. Anybody else experience that? It's like autocorrect has never been right. We should get rid of that feature. But a lot of us, we go through life living out auto-incorrect. In fact, I found some, some text messages this week that I, I just thought were hilarious. It says, hey, Rachel lost her camera last night. She thinks it might be in your womb. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's not. <laughs> OMG. <laughs> That's right. I meant to say room. <laughs> gross. Exactly. <laughs> the lost in the womb would, would definitely be gross. Are you going to church on Sudsy? Subway. OMG. Sub day. <laughs> wow, I give up. Struggling much? <laughs> LOL. God is telling me not to go to church. That is not true. Just FYI. Where's Granny? I thought she was going to be here for Thanksgiving. Grandma's in the grave. Grave? What grave? What are you saying? Oops. Sorry, garage. <laughs> I have to stay after school for leadership. <laughs> okay, if you need me sober, let me know. <laughs> yes, Mom, I need you sober. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll be there at 530. Oops, stupid autocorrect. Exactly. Sooner. Sooner. That's what I meant. Your granddad just passed away. LOL. What? Why is that funny? <laughs> it's not funny, David. What do you mean? Mom, LOL means laugh out loud. Some of y'all just got educated. <laughs> OMG, she's still going for it. No, 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 no. I sent that to everyone. I thought it meant lots of love. <laughs> I have to call everyone back. <laughs> oh my gosh. I miss Josh so much. I don't think I should have dumped him. Really? Yes. He's the best thing that ever happened to me. Oh, crying face. Do you think he still likes me? Yes, I still like you. <laughs> this is Josh. <laughs> Josh is calling now. You know, it's like, you got to love autocorrect, don't you? Or just, just mistakes. You're like, oh, freak out moments. I, one of the things, one of the social mediums that I like is, is Instagram. I like Instagram because it's pictures and pictures speak a thousand words. But they give you an opportunity to make a post under your picture in Instagram and it used to be on Instagram, once you put it out there, there was no correcting, there was no editing. So once it was out there, it was out there forever. You know, the internet is forever. And then a couple years ago, they had an update where they made it so that after you posted something, you could actually go back and edit your post. And I started thinking about that. And, and I started relating it to God because what I love about Jesus is that Jesus is the great editor of, of our story of life. It doesn't matter what we've wrote in the past or how bad we've screwed up or how bad we've messed up or what mistakes we've made because of the update that he made when he went to the cross at Calvary. We've got an opportunity to have a new story written about our life. We don't have to live out our old story, but we can have a new story. And it doesn't have to be a story that's full of shame. But for some reason, I think a lot of us live in shame because we don't ever allow the Holy Spirit to convict us. And see, a lot of us, we don't understand the difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction is something that God does in our life through the Holy Spirit. Condemnation is something that is put on us by something else. It's one of the 
tools that the enemy uses to make us feel less than and not approved by God. What he wants us to do is he wants us to feel condemned by the actions we've taken. He wants us to take that initial guilt and instead of just feeling guilt and repenting in that moment, he wants us to wallow in that guilt until that guilt becomes shame. And instead of it just being guilt in our life, it all of a sudden becomes identity in our life. It's like what he wants to have happen is to say this past Wednesday at 3 o'clock, you were at work and something made you upset, and all of a sudden you yell at your coworker. What the enemy wants to do is he wants you to wallow in the guilt of that, and so you, he'll say to you, man, you see what you just did there? How could you ever see yourself right with God? Did you see the anger that you just displayed right there? You're not right with God. God doesn't love you. God doesn't accept you. See, you're still jacked up, messed up, and unlovable. That's exactly what the enemy does. And all of a sudden, he wants us to wallow in that and live like that. And he wants to take shame and take this feeling of guilt and move us to being a failure in life instead of just having a fail. And what happens is, is that shame begins to travel with you. Guilt is instantaneous, but when you start to take that with you, all of a sudden it becomes shame in your life. Now the difference between that condemnation and guilt and shame is the difference of conviction. Conviction shows up on the same scene, and what the Holy Spirit does in that moment is when you lash out at somebody, what the Holy Spirit does is goes, oh man, I see there's something wrong with your heart. Let's go to God with that right now. Let's bring that area of your life to the Father. Let's figure that out. Let me help you in that area area deal with what's going on inside of here so it doesn't affect everything out there and what the holy spirit is trying to do is it's trying to draw us to god the father he's trying to guide us to that moment so that in our weakness god can become strong in our life and we can walk in victory instead of being a victim of that moment but what happens for a lot of us is that initial conviction comes in our lives and we start rejecting the Holy Spirit and that guilt starts to set in. And as we start to reject God, what happens is our heart starts to become callous. We start to become hardened in those moments. And all of a sudden then when you're around sin or when sin's at your front door, it does, you don't even blink an eye about it. Because it's become just a new normal for your life. Like, look at our nation right now. My mom just turned 70. We were on the phone the other day, and we were talking. She was asking me, what TV show are you watching right now? And I was like, oh, man, I'm falling in love with a show called This Is Us, and I'm trying to figure out what it, what it all is. And I said, you know, uh, and I'm just in the first season, so don't, don't tell me anything. Right now, it's really wholesome to me, so it could change big time. Please don't say anything. So I'm like, man, I, I really uh, appreciate the show because there's this like wholesomeness to it. And she goes, you know, when I was growing up, every sitcom, uh, married couples would sleep in separate beds just so that there was no idea of anything wrong going on in, in that relationship. There was no appearance of evil. She said, what's interesting is I turn on every single show and there's not uh, just two people sleeping in a bed, it's three or four people sleeping in a bed that don't even know each other's names and it's right there on TV and we don't even bat an eye about it. A better way to explain it is you can be in shame and not be ashamed. And it starts out with some convictions, but your heart gets calloused in those areas like pornography. Some of you, when you first started looking at pornography, there was a conviction that rose up inside of you that was like, man, this, this isn't right. And, and because you start, when the Holy Spirit was prompting you, going, hey, hey, what's going on here? Let's bring this to God. Let's, let's deal with this. Instead of dealing with it, you go to, no, you reject it and you continue to look. And the longer you stayed there, the more calloused your heart became to where it, it comes to this point where you're looking at pornography all the time and you're not even impacted by it anymore. 
You're not uh, ashamed in that moment at all. And so you're looking at it, and all of a sudden somebody walks in on you looking at it, and all of a sudden shame gets heaped on you. Not because you're convicted by it, but because you're caught by it. And the Holy Spirit is trying to nudge you, and he's trying to move you around in that moment. I related a lot like this. I used to coach little stinger soccer here in Coconut Creek for four, five, and six-year-olds. And, and uh, I, I love coaching soccer at that age because nobody has a position. They kind of all just run together in a little ball. You know, it's like every kid, there's, there's eight of them on the field, and you don't know what team is what because they're just all kind of just swarming together. It's a great name, Little Stingers, because they're just swarming around. But eventually the ball always pops out towards one direction, and one kid has a breakaway. And typically what happens is it, it pops out towards the goal that he's supposed to be defending, except he's dribbling to go score on the that goal. And every parent is having the freak out moment of their life. They're like, no, Johnny, no, go that way. Go that way. You're going the wrong way. And it's not like they're going to score anyways, because they're little kids. I mean, but I feel like that is the Holy Spirit in our lives. Something's kind of popped out, and you're going the wrong way, and he's going, hey, listen, you're going the wrong way. That's not the goal. The goal's over here. He's trying to move us, and he's trying to nudge us towards that. And the reason the Holy Spirit does that is because he wants to see people set free in life. That's why I love Galatians chapter 5, and the Apostle Paul is talking to the church What's happening is these, these guys named the Judaizers are coming in and they're heaping all this shame and condemnation on people because they're not doing things exactly how they think they should be doing them. And, and, and Paul says in Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He says, it is for freedom. And let me just stop right there because what he's saying is he's, saying, he's like, why, why in the world is Paul being redundant right there? It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Like we all realize freedom would mean free. But for some reason, Paul is repeating that. And I think the reason he's going, it is for freedom that Christ set us free is because God loves seeing us when we're walking in freedom. And so he goes, he goes it is for freedom that Christ set you free. Stand firm then and do not let the yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery right here shame is slavery and what's happening for a lot of us is christ has set us free but yet the enemy's coming in and going you did this and you did that and we're going and picking up chains that jesus has already taken off and putting them back on our lives and shackling ourselves to something that he's given us freedom in and what happens when we do that is we're sabotaging with the purpose of God in our lives. And so I was thinking, man, if we truly understand God's word, when the enemy comes in and re he starts reminding us of our past and starts talking to us about our shame, well, we need to say, man, I did it, I admit it, I quit it, so forget it. We need to go, enemy, man, I did it, I admit it, I quit it, so forget it. I don't need to shackle myself back up again. We don't need to live in the zone of shame in our lives. And so anytime I start speaking on shame, it's like people start like clamming up and it's like they start closing up because shame is something that we've all dealt with. And it becomes so toxic in our lives. And we need to know that there are some things that will keep us from freedom if we don't recognize it. So you can't edit shame out of your life with a feeling of holiness. Because a lot of people try to. 
And they try to think that shame is holy, like, oh man, my life, it's, God is just so heavy on me. No, 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 that's shame that's heavy on you. God's burden is easy and light, and so if you're feeling heavy, that isn't holiness, that is heaviness. And heaviness isn't from God. What is from God? Freedom is from God. In fact, in Hebrews 12, 1, it says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus because when we fix our eyes on Jesus instead of our shame, all of a sudden what Jesus starts doing is he starts writing a new story in our life. He is the author of life and he wants to write some new things and give us some fresh revelation and give us some fresh words. The problem is, is a lot of us don't experience that because our eyes aren't focused on Jesus, they're focused on our past. And our past isn't giving us any new words, it's telling us who we used to be, not who God says we are. And it says, for the joy set before him, he adored the cross, scorning its shame. It says, for the joy set before him, we call it Good Friday, but it wasn't necessarily good for him, it was bad, but it was really good for us. In the Greek, that, the, the meaning of scorning its shame literally means Jesus went to the cross to destroy shame because the literal translation, despising of shame. So God gets really, really joyful and excited when he can destroy shame in your life because he hates it. And so that mistake that you made, he hates that thing and he wants to set you free. That marriage that failed, that you feel like you're inadequate for any other relationship, he wants to take that shame from you because he despises it. Student, that, that decision you made Friday night that you've been regretting every moment since, man, he wants to take that shame from you right now. See, guilt is what happened to you, but when you start taking guilt forward, it becomes shame, and Jesus is trying to keep that shame from becoming our identity. Because a lot of us have allowed our past to identify our future. A great example of this is in the Old Testament. There's a guy that's name was Jacob. And in the Old Testament, names were very, very significant to people. In fact, your name identified your character, identified your nature, identified who you were. And today, Jacob is a cool name. But back in the day, Jacob was not a cool name. It meant deceiver. It meant liar. It meant loser. And so every time somebody would use Jacob's name, they were just reminding him of who he was. And so they would say, hey, Jacob, it's time for lunch. They were saying, hey, liar, it's time for lunch. They'd say, good morning, Jacob. They'd be, good morning, deceiver. Hey, Jacob, it's time to go to school. Hey, loser, it's time to go to school. And so all of his life, that's how he's identified himself. And that shame has run his life. And now he started acting on that. And all of a sudden, God shows up in his life. And instead of God calling him Jacob, he never calls him by name. Instead, he starts wrestling with Jacob. And finally, what God says to him is he says, to, he says what's your name? He says, What's your name? In essence, what he's saying is he's saying, like, what do you identify as? What do you, what's your shame in life? What's your thing that's holding you back? And he responds, Jacob, I'm a liar, I'm a deceiver, I'm a loser. And God literally looks at him and goes, I'm not going to call you that. I've got a new name for you. Because I don't identify you as a loser or as a deceiver or as a liar. And I, I believe that for some of you, you need to hear that today. Because I believe God's got a different name from you than what your parents called you. Or what that ex-spouse called you. Or what that person at work has identified you as. Some of you have taken on that identity and God's going, no, 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 no. You're not Jacob to me anymore. Your name is now Israel, which means Prince of God. 
And I believe that God has got a new name for us. And, and it says in that moment that when he wrestled with God, he was changed and he walked differently from that moment forward. And I believe that today, God wants some of us to walk out of here differently than how we walked in. He doesn't want us to walk in the shame of our old game, but he wants us to walk in the newness of his freedom. So you can't edit shame with a cover-up or while hiding away either. You can't hide shame with a feeling of holiness, and you can't cover up shame or while hiding away. And our natural tendency whenever shame enters our life is to do the same thing that Adam and Eve did in the very beginning. They were walking with God. They were in complete and perfect relationship with God. Sin enters the equation, and all of a sudden, what's the first thing they do? They cover up all the intimate parts of their life. They cover up the intimate parts, and then what do they do? They go and they hide away, trying to get away from the situation. And as soon as, as soon as their situation is discovered, what do they do next? They blame. Adam blames Eve, and Eve blames serpent, and I blame Adam, and I'm going to punch him in the face when I get to heaven. Anyway, so, so just a little. Have you ever noticed that when there's shame in a relationship, it always destroys intimacy? When you have to cover something up and you can't expose an aspect of your life, it always creates a barrier to closeness. It always creates a barrier to uh, this transparency and this closeness that God is trying to do inside of every single one of us. In fact, I remember when I was dating Shayla, I thought Shayla was all that in a bag of chips. I still do. She was, she's absolutely incredible. She was like the queen on top of the mountain. And, and here I was, just this guy that had screwed up and messed up so much of life. And I remember when I was in this stage of we'd go out on dates, and I would prepare for our dates with tons of questions so that I could ask her questions so she would never ask me a question. So she would never be able to see what I was ashamed of in my past. And, and so we go out and I just grill her over and over and over again. When she'd ask me a question, I'd be like, babe, you haven't answered my question first. When you answer that, maybe we'll get to yours. And so I just kept this going until one day she, she's like, hey, you need, you need to talk to me about some of this stuff. And I remember I was so ashamed because I thought, man, if she knew my past, there is no way she'd want me for the future. And I remember I was like, man, I've, I've messed up here and there. And she goes, man, don't worry about any of that. If Jesus has forgiven you for it, I'm good to go. Let's move forward. And I was like, that's a good answer, babe. Let's go forward. <laughs> so you can't edit shame with a feeling of holiness or with a cover-up or while hiding away or by working on it someday. Because I've just noticed that someday just never seems to come. Tomorrow is just another day away. That's why scripture tells us today is the day of salvation. This is the moment that Jesus wants to set us free. And I believe that God has got a promised land for every single one of us. But a lot of us are like the Israelites coming out of Egypt. We've been in slavery for a number of years. For them, they were in slavery for 400 years. And they were spoken to a certain way. They were, they were uh, demeaned a certain way. They were abused physically, emotionally, sexually, and, 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 and so many different ways. And this is what I know in life, just through psychology. You're told something long enough, you begin to believe that lie. And so while the Israelites had escaped Egypt, Egypt had not escaped out of them. They were still harboring all of that stuff from Egypt in their lives. And there's a great verse that happens in Joshua 5, 9. It says, the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach or the shame of Egypt off of you. 
See, a lot of us, we need to get set free from our Egypt, and God is trying to roll the shame of Egypt off of every single one of us. And God knows that we can't go to the promised land carrying these buckets of shame that so many of us have. And more than anything, the Spirit of God loves to destroy shame. So my question for you is, what is your Egypt? What is your Egypt? Is it the divorce you had? Is it the sexual sins that you're dealing with right now? Is it that secret that you've been living with? Is it the debt that you have been acquiring and, and just you're overloaded by, but you've been trying to keep up with the Joneses while acting like you've got it all together? Is it that addiction that you just can't seem to break free of? I think it's imperative and it's important for us to realize that God told Joshua this day, not next week. God doesn't edit tomorrow. He edits right now in our lives. I don't believe that Jesus came to set us free someday. I believe that Jesus came to set us free today. And who he sets free is free indeed. So how does Jesus edit our shame? If you're taking notes, number one, he edits our shame instantly. It's an instantaneous three. Nehemiah 9, 17 says, You are a God who forgives always, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, full of love. When we started Coastal, we wanted people to see that right there, man. We have this God who is always ready to pardon. He's gracious and merciful, and he's full of love. Isaiah 55, 7 says, God is merciful and quick to forgive. And I'll tell you this right now, God is more ready to forgive than you are to ask for forgiveness right now. He's just waiting on you and I to take that step and go, God, will you set me free? Will you forgive me? And he's always ready in that moment. Number two, he edits shame completely. Colossians 2 says, he has forgiven all of your sins. He's forgiven all of your sins. This includes sins from your past. This includes sins from your future. And listen, if I was your God, I'd be ticked at you. I'm just telling you something right now. If I was God, there ain't no way I'd forgive all of your sins because I'd be like, I know what you did. I know what you're going to do. You're going straight to hell. But that isn't what God does. He goes, he has forgiven your sins. He has utterly wiped out the evidence of broken commandments, which have always hung over our heads. And he's completely annulled it by nailing it to the cross. And what's amazing is when you ask for forgiveness, the Bible tells us he keeps no record of our wrongs. Our sins are as far from the east as from the west. And I don't know if you've tried to figure out that distance, but it's impossible. So not only does he edit instantly and completely, but he also edits our shame freely. Romans 3, 23 and 24 says, All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, yet now God declares us not guilty of offending him. If we trust in Jesus Christ, who freely takes away our sins. He freely takes away our sins. You know, this past Friday night, my, my wife and I, we went out on a date night. And we went to go check out this new uh, steakhouse, La Rural. It's an Argentinian steakhouse in, in Parkland that just opened up here a little while ago. And man, I, I'm always down for some steak somewhere. And so like love language steak. And so <laughs> it's like, it's a good day. My wife and I, we went in there and we're, we ordered our meals. I love restaurants like this where, where they, the meal is so big, it's like two meals. 
you know, because your wife's only going to eat like half, which means you're going to get like a whole nother meal on top of it. And so for Goss, it's like incredible. So you eat your meal and then you get to eat hers too. It's like, oh, order something different, please. I, I finished her steak too because I'm, I'm, I'm fat. And uh, I'm, I'm a little ashamed of that. I'm working on it. I'm preaching myself right now. I go and I take out my phone because my credit cards are in here and, and, and I know we're done. And I take out my credit card as our server's walking by. Like, I just hand them my credit card because I don't want to see the bill. You know, it's a date night. It's like, that was going to be expensive. I'm like, I don't even want to see the damage. He takes my card, and then he walks back over, and he sets my card back down, and he says, hey, your meal is good tonight. I was like, this is my new favorite restaurant. This is awesome. Free meals. Everybody should go to La Rural. Okay, in Jesus' name, it's free. But come to find out, a family from our church walked in and, and, and paid for our meal while we were there, and I realized in that moment that while that meal was free, it was not inexpensive. And a lot of us, we equate Jesus setting us free to not being valuable. Because a lot of times we equate free with not worth much. Not very sacrificial, but the reality is it was the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus taking all of our shame, all of our pain, all of our guilt, all of our sins, all of our screw-ups, mess-ups, idiosyncrasies. He said, I'll take all of those on the cross and I'll pay the ultimate price with my life so that you can have freedom. See, Jesus didn't go to the cross to give us relief from feeling guilt he went to the cross so that we could have release from their shame in life. And some of us, we've been locked up by our shame for so long, and Jesus is saying, man, I've set you free. I've given you the keys to freedom. It's time for you to walk in that freedom. It's time for you to make the choice to believe that I've set you free, and you don't have to live in that condemnation. You don't have to live with that identity there was never the identity that I intended for you. Would you guys bow your heads to pray with me?